Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we are once again failing to only cover the first and possibly last episode of Moon Knight because frankly, this show was written for this podcast pretty much. We've got conversations about good and evil. We've got conversations about different identities. We've got conversations about do you have to let someone actually do the bad thing before you punish them for the bad thing? We're going to find out. All that more after commercial break. We have no control over Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host. I'm excited today because we're going to be talking with both Paul Hoppy and Will Freeland. Paul, our normal guest, and Will Freeland, the uh, one of the two co-hosts of the Hype is Your Superpower podcast, who's been great source about comic books and all things comics. Last time we had him on to say, cool, we want you to talk to us all about this character. <laughs> but actually, we're so excited not to be spoiled. Don't tell us about him. Now we know a lot more, so we can probably get into more of it. So um, yeah, Will, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing swell. Uh, this is a great break for me because work has been hectic. Uh, and so I'm giving giving myself a break from me so I can get a little, get some nerdy talk in. I don't get a whole lot of opportunities for that. Awesome, awesome. And yourself, Paul? Uh, I'm doing good. But uh, before we get to all the heavy stuff, I got to know, Will, what do you think of the suit? Oh, the suit, I, suit. I like it. Okay. I like it. That is I saw that, that and I thought so you, amazingly <laughs> copied straight from the comics. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And it was one of the things that I tried to not talk about last episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad because it, it really it I don't know, I really enjoyed that bit as a bit of like not super conse- I mean consequential in terms of like character and whatever, mm-hmm. but like not, you know. Right. it's just a thing but that kind of i think mix of yeah. comedy and sort of character-based humor i think uh plays really well when it's surprising i i will say that uh the words um white suit from moon knight uh have been in my google search history uh there's not much coming up now but i think in about 24 hours there will be some options on there so who knows what i'll be wearing come next episode oh for I ordering to I... wear it does have a I name can... okay in the comics that is Mr. Knight. Oh. Mr. Knight. Okay. Mr. Yeah. Knight. Complete with when he decides he's going to fight, taking off the jacket, rolling up his sleeves, leaving the gloves on. Oh, uh-huh. amazing. That was <laughs> nice. really fun to watch. That was really fun to watch. <laughs> so, so yeah, let's dive into it. Um, Overall, kind of, what did y'all think of this episode? I really liked it. Um, I think I liked it more than the first. Um, mm-hmm. It kept me very much engaged. When the Mr. Knight suit first showed up, my jaw dropped. Um, (laughs) There were a couple of like editing decisions that I thought was kind of odd. And we can go into those as we go through the episode, but overall um, I really liked it. I liked having this person who was the previous uh, avatar of Khonshu uh, acting as the kind of an antagonist because what, Conchu does isn't enough or or something like i don't mm. know it was it was fun it was it was very much a um introduction to the conflict episode yeah yeah i, I really like that yeah i felt like i mostly enjoyed this episode a ton uh, i still love the show this time i have two complaints that i'll enjoy talking <laughs> about at the end um to quote i think fraser what's better than a perfect dinner 
A perfect dinner with one small flaw that we can nitpick for the whole evening. <laughs> so that, that is one definition of some of our podcast episodes. Exactly. So, yes. so overall, I'm still loving it. Um, I will. I hate that I quoted a McDonald's slogan. Um, and I hate that I've seen enough commercials that I know that. But <laughs> there's, a, there's two things I'll get to at the end. But um, I, I thought this was rife with ethical questions. You know, yeah. I... I felt like I realized a moment before it was revealed that Emmett was the previous avatar of mm-hmm. Khonshu. Um, I thought that was really cool, kind of the way they got to that. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed also the, the conversations between Mark and Stephen as well. And, yeah. uh, and the dynamic between, um, between Stephen and Layla, I thought was great when they introduce her mm. and like she doesn't know who he is she thinks he's you know the other him basically and right and he doesn't know her but he's like oh wow you're you're great like you're like perfect for me and i don't know i think uh yeah i enjoyed it a lot yeah i definitely really enjoyed her i i also have an editing question related to the suit so we'll be curious to see if we have the same one um i think i like the first one more because it just had to me to me it was more like setting everything up whereas this was I'm always torn because, like, it's a very different uh, kind of genre, but I just finished Bridgerton. I love romantic tension. I love will-they-won't-they-kiss moments. But there's an extent to which eventually you got to resolve it. You know, you got to do your thing or get off the pot. And that show, like a lot of them, I kind of felt went too long. It was starting to get to that point with me where it was like, okay, here's one more thing we're not sure of and one more person who's not giving Stephen answers that I was just starting to get like, I need some actual answers. And then when he started to have that conversation with Steven, uh, uh, with Mark, where we found out all this stuff, I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm seeing how all the pieces are all fitting together. I'm liking the image we're getting. There's one part that I'm still confused by, but I think overall this is making a lot of sense. So, um, well, actually, let's do this. And Paul, this may be one of the things you're saving for the end, but both because this was a... An issue we talked about last episode and one that's come up on Facebook some, um, and we talked about the meal, so this might have been what's spoiling the meal. Um, this is a character who is vegan, uh, in theory, and we had him have a moment at a steak, uh, uh, a steak restaurant that we didn't love. And we talked about both you and Steven, uh, our guest, uh, our uh, Will's partner, not the Steven of this <laughs> universe, uh, you know, talked about why that was problematic and the lack of uh, vegan and vegetarian representation. But we don't really go into it very much. And given that it's now come up even more on Facebook and given that we've now answered one of the questions that we were wondering about, i.e. did he eat the steak? Because it turned out he did, which is very much what I was not hoping for. Uh, and there's another vegan character uh, introduced to possibly. gay representation. He wants yeah. to murder children. Um, right. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Paul, what's your take on uh, veganism 2.0? In yeah. Uh, it didn't get better this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... First, they're like, okay, so he had, I think he said a bite of steak and then, you know, turns into this murderous guy is kind of like how he spun it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I agree with Steve's comment from last week that they are kind of like conflating veganism with like this sort of like, oh, meek kind of like don't really, you know, operate with a lot of confidence in the world, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's an aspect to which I do feel convinced by Steven as a a vegan I'm like yeah I can see that guy like it's not like it doesn't work but it's just it's like if there weren't 
so few portrayals that I have seen in media that were like positive or even neutral representations of veganism. If like you didn't have like John Oliver, who's always trying to be so, you know, inclusive and everything, still just constantly making jokes about, you know, vegan food on, on his show. That's like mm -hmm. all about like trying to talk about issues that are like big systemic right. issues and the oppression of, you know, I guess he just cares about people, but like, you know, then it wouldn't bother me so much to see like this character in this way. Cause I know there's some things about that representation that do resonate with people. Maybe not so much in the veganism, but like the right. acting in a way that is not in line with his values because he's so whatever's going on there. Right. At that moment. Right. Um, so I didn't love that. And then they, they say, you know, Emmett's like, Oh, I'm a vegan too. And like, first of all, maybe we believe it, maybe we don't. I think probably he's telling the truth, but I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, he kills children, which I don't know. I mean, you can construct an argument. I probably <laughs> have, but like, you know, it's like, it's not a great look, you know, it's like, all right, to represent, um, vegans, we're going to, uh, have Jeff Bezos and then to represent, um, vegetarians, let's go with Hitler. It's like, I mean, yeah, I know there's some like shitty people who like, are mm -hmm. like only care about animals, not people or whatever. But like, that's not really the core essence of the idea of veganism. And if we had broader representation, like then some instances that were maybe like not the most flattering, wouldn't feel like these stereotypes that are negative, right. you know, or, or like this like hypocrisy, I think that a lot of people like want to see. And, like, find a way of being like, oh, well, you're a hypocrite because blah, 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 blah. Or you don't adhere perfectly 100% to everything that you say you want to be trying to do. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's not fun. Like, I'm over it. Um, I There are some good representations in, in fiction. You know, I mean, like, Bones is one in the series. Because I think Emily Deschanel is vegan. And she was like, I want the character to be vegan. And, you know, yeah. by a certain season, she gets her way. Right, she's the star um, from Avatar: The Last Airbender. You talked about being right, great. right. I think he's vegetarian. He's vegetarian. Vegan, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he may or may not eat dairy. I forget whether that comes up. I think it does. But, um, but yeah, and that's very. That's to me, that's a positive representation, and it's fine that it's like you have Sokka, who's like, oh, that's so weird. Like, I want meat, mm -hmm. and it's like, but nobody's like, you're bad because of this, and it's not. It's like the whole conclusion of the show is. I mean, Will, you had that great meme, right? Like, didn't you share the one about like Probably. what he was because nobody offered a vegan option or something? And then he's like, I don't think you're all taking this avatar. Thing oh, too seriously. right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not that there are literally zero representations. I mean, there's a lot more than there used right. to be. Right. But like, maybe there's not a lot more. There's a few more. And a few yeah. of them are positive, but like very, very few. And so it's like. Maybe introduce a character who just happens to be vegan and, like, then have one who has this with this conflict. Like, just maybe do that, you know? Yeah. And I think it would be better. I don't know if it's comic canon, but in Teen Titans, Beast Boy is vegetarian. Yeah, so that, that makes sense, right? I mean, to, awesome. and, and I mean, like, Danny Rand is supposed to be vegetarian. But, like, right. in, the, in the Netflix MCU, they were like, oh, let's have meat donkeys. That'll be funny. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, and isn't there also? I, I think Luke Cage be, has know, I, the vegetarian in it, actually. Or maybe okay, maybe it's Luke Cage. Isn't there? I feel like there's some MCU show, maybe there's one you're talking about, where there's a character who's a vegan, but he also turns out to be a corrupt cop who almost kills everybody. 
Is that Luke Cage? That's who I'm that... talking about. Yeah, I was going to not okay. spoil it for Luke Cage because I some people are maybe just finding that. But yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, there, there's a there's a cop who I don't even think he's stated to be vegan or vegetarian. He just always gets like the tofu wrap or like something with, you know, right. General Tso's tofu or whatever. And it mm-hmm. feels like, and I'm like, oh yeah, that dude's definitely a vegetarian. You know, and it might've been right. stated, I'm not sure. And then he turns out to be a corrupt cop. But like, to me, that's kind of fine. You know? Yeah. Okay. So that that to you is not an example of oh my god, why does the vegan have to be the bad? He's guy? He's not yet? the worst character in the show. He's definitely not the worst <laughs> character in the true. show. Also you know, true. he is a corrupt cop. There's, there's, there's a lot of there's, there's some corrupt cops. You know, and it's like okay. it. I that's to me an instance of neutral representation where it's like if you only ever have the villains be vegetarian, like that would suck. But it's like his vegetarianism is never like made a joke out of. It's just right. kind of incidental. You know, which to me is like. Let's have more of that, of like every kind of representation, right? right? Any given group of people or vector of identity or however you want to say it, like should be represented in like all manners, I think. Not like negative in terms of mm-hmm. at that, but like, yeah, you should right. have some villains that are whatever, anything, right? But like you should also have some heroes and then you should also have some characters. It's like, this is just a thing about this character and it doesn't have to be central. And I think it's important because this is why this, this is the, yeah. I think that's important because this is why we got into this discussion about what happened on Facebook. And there were some great people. This is all in the Stranded Panda Facebook group, which we're not in. I definitely recommend joining. Also, a great podcast. We get into great conversations there. We also do on the Ethical Panda Twitter and Facebook group, which I'm trying to push more. But that's another story. Um, And part of the conversation was about, well, why did he do it and what happened next? Because one of the things that I was suggesting was that maybe, you know, that they, to me, what I saw in that moment, and I found it actually very relatable as someone who's had real mental health struggles, was someone who is – he's basically being gaslit by his own brain, let right. alone by everyone around him. He has no understanding of which way is up or down. And I had moments like that where it just, my most – you know, I walked into a Walmart to buy something, something that was to me like I would never, ever do. Um, other kind of longstanding principles that I broke – and I've talked to many people who have been in similar situations where, yeah, it was, and, and it may just be because, like, you're not even thinking about what you're doing. You're, like, only half conscious. Some part of it might be, like, I've held these values all my life, and now I'm questioning everything. Mm-hmm. So why the hell am I still holding on to this? So I could see a lot of reasons why Stephen would make that decision in that moment, especially because, like, he doesn't grab the waiter. He doesn't say, oh, well, let me have a steak. The waiter is – he's basically offering the path of least resistance as mm-hmm. the waiter is just being like, well, you want a steak, right? Yeah. You want this. You want that. And so to me, from a mental health perspective, I found it incredible representation. But realizing that it was coming at the expense of something, a different kind of representation, I think I think is, is you know, kind of shit. It's kind of bad. Like I, would, yeah. I don't want it's it to be like that. You know? right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah. And especially – like it's funny because you made the point as we're going back and forth that – it wouldn't make a difference if he ate the steak or not. We just try, I mean, the steak has been ordered. That's like one more piece of meat that's out in the world. And now a new one has to be made to replace it. Like, yeah, from that perspective, it doesn't matter. To me, I think it mattered because of what it says about his character in terms of his values, in mm. terms of, to me, there's a big difference between, yeah, he's a vegan, but he doesn't take it seriously versus he takes it seriously. And in this one moment of extreme weakness, he faltered. Right. And so, yeah, them casually throwing in that he ate the steak. I was like, eh. A, I wish, I wish to, 
they'd picked something else to show that his main values are being challenged. But even that, I think they're not really... It, it seems like they're not treating it as seriously I would have liked to by having it being like, oh, yeah, I ate the steak, maybe bad thing. Like, he seems to have some regret about it, but it's just not handled the way I was hoping it would be. Yeah, I love that that was relatable to you in that way. And I'm sure right. many other people, right? Um, if like 1% of their characters up to this point had been overtly vegan and like maybe 5% had been vegetarian, like I feel like it would play differently. You know, right. it's like a lot of these things are like, you know, whether certain actors should play certain roles and stuff like a lot of that is within the context of the world we're living in. Mm -hmm. that's different than like overall it's like yeah theoretically maybe anybody should be able to play anybody right but like in the context of the cinema that we've had in our lifetimes or before our lifetimes like it's not a good idea because there's a lot of people who don't get roles and then there's a lot of things that have been portrayed horribly and you know it, it's like it we're not there yet, I feel like, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, trying to be like, oh, but we're having some vegan representation and we're going to throw, you know, these other things on top of it. And it's like, it, it just didn't feel like it was a good fit. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I do feel like, you know, ordering the steak, going to the place, like, like even going, I'm like, what, like, what's he do? Like, why did he even go? You know, why didn't he call her right. and be like, hey, let's go somewhere else? Or like when he saw her, like say something. And that's kind of just like the personality of this character, right? To an extent. But like um, that part just, it, it just feels a little off. And it's like, it's not that I don't think there's any difference. Like, I mean, him eating it, like I'm like, he probably got sick. Like, I'm fairly certain that my body could not digest a piece of animal flesh at this point. Like, right. it hasn't for 38 years now, I think. So, like, that's a long time. Like, I know people who were vegetarians and stopped being vegetarians. And, like, the first time, I mean, they even, like, had, like, some beans that had some, like, animal fat in it. And they got sick, you know. And, like, that is a thing, you know. But, like... Yeah, it's just, it's for a show with so many other things that I really love. Um, and I will say the beginning of the show, I felt some of what you were talking about also in terms of it kind of felt like, oh, okay, can we just, can we just like, can we get to the next part, you know? And then we did. And I thought that was glorious. But um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it, you know, maybe find a different thing to demonstrate what they did um, with what you related to. Without kind of like, you know, giving vegans like, again, another one of these things. It's like, all right, okay. It, it left a bad taste in the mouth. It was <laughs> a fly in the soup. Oh. And now I think we're out of – I can find five more food metaphors, but yeah. we should just yeah, move on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about um, – one thing. Was there anything else ethical in this episode? Mm. Um, something about justice and punishment. <laughs> oh, justice. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, okay. So, first, so go if, we're, if we're going to go into the that whole conversation – uh, one thing I wanted to point out that uh, could spark an entire other episode, but the way Stephen Grant sees himself. So when he's talking to Mark in the bunker, he's he says, I don't care how handsome you are. Right. When they're the exact same person. Yeah. It's yeah. just right. about how Mark holds himself. Yeah. Compared mm -hmm. to how Steven presents himself. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. It was right before he said, oh, I'll have one piece of steak. <laughs> Let, let's actually start there before we get into the 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 Emmett and the justice of it all. Because I, I love that. I And again, I don't, I don't know much about uh, disassociative identity disorder. 
I don't know if that's what's actually happening or like one of these is like a false personality or something. Putting that aside, but either way, what it's looking like, I feel like they're doing such a good job of showing those as two distinct personalities. Uh, all the reflection stuff, the acting by Oscar Isaac is just incredible. Uh, what do you all think about how that's being done? So impressive. Yeah, the acting is like, I mean, he's playing two characters very yeah. convincingly. And, and the makeup isn't even done differently for us to like figure right. out. It's yeah, all yeah. his like body language and his Yeah, posture. he looks different without like being having his face changed or something. Like, right. you know, I mean I think his hair is different, right? As mm -hmm. Mark in the mirror, I think. Maybe yeah, his hair is like, like out of his face. Right. It's styled differently. It's not like yeah. a different length or whatever, but it's yeah, it, it's I, I find that aspect of the show extremely compelling. Um, I'm interested to see a little bit of a little bit more of Mark now, you know, um, yeah. now that we're in Egypt and um, now that he's, you know, in control. But um, right. but yeah, I, I really like the Steven character. And I think it's so I don't know, just the fact that he looks in the mirror and like sees his own face and thinks that that guy is so handsome, but he doesn't think he's so handsome. I yeah. think it's, I just think it's really powerful, like in terms of just like self image, um, mm -hmm. you know, ideas like, like that's how, how people feel a lot of the time. And it's like, I think it's easy to like, I, I personally, like my current physical form doesn't like really match my residual self image so much mm -hmm. to like sort of reference the matrix a little, you know, and like in a way that like I probably am more self-conscious about how I look than I would be if I was like relying just on like how other people react even, yeah. you know? And it's like whether like how we perceive ourselves just does not line up that well with how others perceive us. And, you know, that's not to say that we should be more concerned about how other people perceive us. But it's just like, yeah, something that you might not like about yourself, about how you look or even your personality or whatever. Someone else may love that, you know, that might be totally what someone's into. And so it's like, I don't know, to some extent, it's like, obviously, like the, the hope is that like we can learn to like love ourselves as who we are and accept ourselves yeah. and all that. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, a two side thing. On the one hand, like, yes, yeah, self-acceptance is great. And like, you shouldn't need to be. Uh, attractive to others or care of what others think, especially in a world like ours where beauty standards are so utterly ridiculous. But also confidence is sexy. Like like you said, just him holding himself. Yeah. In a way, like Stephen walks into a room and it is so clear that he is apologizing for being in the room. You right. know, he's sort of like, I'm sorry you have to look at me. Mark walks into a room and is like, you're welcome. You know, <laughs> and like it's the same person, but that confidence, it shows so much. Mm -hmm. I, and... Will, do I remember correctly that you said that um, in the comic, Stephen is not English? Because I, 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 I thought I remembered someone saying that originally Stephen was not English. And I was wondering why they would do it. I now think that giving the two of them different accents really helps to distinguish which one is which in a way that I think is just great writing, if that's what's yeah, intended. Yeah, probably. Um, I, in, in text form, really the only accents that stand out are like Southern accents and mm -hmm. Russian accents. Mm, Otherwise right. you somewhat like Scottish rely on maybe. someone saying, Oh, I can tell your, I can tell your British accent from a mile away. But like, other than that, you'll, you'd never actually know. <laughs> mm. Right. 
yeah, so yeah, it's, those, it's probably for us. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, so now let's get into the meat of this this great conversation that Stephen. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Paul was giving me a great look. Let's get into the substance of the conversation. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, and this is the moment where I was watching it, and I was uh, I knew Paul had uh, you know, this is the moment where I was watching. It. I was like, oh, okay, that's our episode right there. There's a lot to talk about it clearly, but um, Stephen and uh, Emmett, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen and Emmett get into this great conversation. And first, just Emmett like introduces him to this world. And, and I thought this was such a well be- way of doing things. Like, to me, some of my favorite villains are ones where society is treating a lot of people badly. And then here comes this person who's taking care of the societal problem, you know, and like people are being fed, people are being sheltered, people are apparently like treating each other well, and they're able to leave their doors unlocked in this neighborhood that used to be like uh, really bad with crime and stuff like that. And the only problem is that they're dealing with it by um, killing people who do bad things or who might do bad things. Right. Um, so even for that question, like, what did you think about the way they introduced uh, Emmett's little like mini utopia in downtown London. I like that he specifically specified that they're speaking Mandarin. I thought of you in that scene, Paul. Mm, yeah. Oh, I got, I got some words about that. <laughs> were they not speaking Mandarin? <laughs> I mean, they were trying to speak Mandarin. <laughs> they were alleging Oof. to speak Mandarin. Like we were watching it. And when it's that he started speaking and we're both looking at like, so, so just for clarity, um, I have done like the Duolingo course in Mandarin and can recognize Mandarin. I, I, I think I can speak it better than Ethan Hawke did, but you know, not fluently or anything. Mm-hmm. My wife is from China originally, and she speaks Toysanese, which is related to Cantonese, which is not exactly like Mandarin, but like we've both heard enough Mandarin that if someone's mm-hmm. speaking Mandarin, we're like, oh, that's Mandarin. I hear this word, that word, and that word, and I maybe know what they mean, and I maybe don't. When they started speaking, I thought they were speaking like, I don't know, like definitely a language not even from Asia. <laughs> like, oh, no. and then when on the screen it popped up like Mandarin, we both just burst out laughing like, what? The, what is that? And I've, I've seen people on Twitter have some responses to it. Um, I'm sure... Uh, I mean, just in terms of representation, the fact that Mandarin is often used or like, you know, Cantonese as mm-hmm. well as this like demonstration of a character's skill and accomplishment. Oh, they mm-hmm. did something so hard, like learning Mandarin, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's not the best. I would yeah. love to hear more Mandarin in movies. I loved hearing it in Shang-Chi, although it would have been nice if they spoke Cantonese instead, since they had a largely Cantonese speaking cast and it's a much older language, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Enough of that sidebar. But like, I love the idea that they're like, oh, we right. should all learn at least three languages. And I'm like, yeah, but maybe, maybe like learn them. Like, well, but that, that's actually my question then yeah. is like, they're not super geniuses. They're just right. people yeah. learning languages. Did it sound like they were like second year Mandarin students who were getting it wrong because they're learning and they're not very good at learning? Or did it sound just like, like, is it possible? No, that that's, that's how that- I sound. That's okay. not how they sounded. They sounded like they were speaking a different language. Like uh, I, okay. I, I would have to go back and listen to it a bunch of times. But it was, it was painful. It was like it was painful, okay. especially That's him. Unfortunate. Uh, she was. I was like, okay, 
Because it had popped up Mandarin, and I was like, okay, I could see how what she's saying is like Mandarin-ish. But and then he yeah. spoke again, and I was like, what are you doing? I, I had a friend who'd like learned a little bit of Cantonese from someone in um LA when he was playing poker, and he started saying some things to me. I was like, what are you like it, it just so it's it's hard because it's like I feel like it's not that hard to learn kind of the tones, but on the other hand, it is hard. Like, it right. takes a lot of exposure, and I feel like you can't necessarily just have someone be like, this is how you do it, and then you repeat after them. Like, I think you right. probably need to expose yourself to a lot of a tonal language before... It can then feel very natural. Like, I can think sometimes in Cantonese now because I recently took 10 days off from doing anything except I would listen to children's stories in Cantonese. And, like, they just sort of soaked into my brain. And now I feel right. like I'm sure... Like, when I speak to my mother-in-law, she laughs at me, but she knows what I'm saying. Like, here, it's like, I don't think people know what he's saying, you know? Yeah. So it does not okay. sound like a second-year Mandarin student. It sounds like maybe someone who did the first level of Duolingo. Okay. You know? Which, I mean, so. like, I would love it if that was intentional, in that it was sort of like, these yeah, people it, all it, think they're doing so much, but who knows if it actually is. The way no, they no, it, it wasn't. It was you definitely wouldn't... a rub in your face. Got it. I, yeah, no, you I, wouldn't I, do I it that you. level I, I believe if you. it was intentional, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so what else do you think though about the kind of little utopia they built? I love it. Like, I'd live there. I mean, I don't like the whole killing a bunch of people part, especially you know before they did anything. I'm against <laughs> that. Even if they did something, I'm still against that. Right. But like, it seems like a pretty chill place aside from you know the murder. I might have that missed it, but like, how is that considered saved now? Is it just because they're keeping the like police and government out? Oh, I'm not really. I that was one of my questions. Was sort of how is this little? Because clearly it's been going on for a while. They didn't just start right. this like two or three weeks ago. And like, yeah, London is not a walled off city where you can't cross from one neighborhood to the other. Yeah, and this isn't Pennyworth. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Spoilers so for I was Pennyworth. Kinda, I, I am kind of curious, like, what the rest of London thinks about what's happening here, you know? And, like, what do the police think? Are they paying taxes? What about local right. people who are just like, oh, I'll go wander over there and have some food, you know? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that part. Clearly, He's got I mean, these like, places are, all over the world. Right. And right. there are cops who are part of his cult. So, you know, there's all thing, kind of things yeah. happening. The first place that they showed was, in the, in the first episode, was, like, I think it was in, like, Switzerland or Austria or something. I think so, yeah. Because, so, I mean, they had German on yeah. the truck. Yeah. I mean, it could have been Germany, but the maybe Alps Bavaria. Mountains or something like that, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just curious what Emmett's influence does that can, mm -hmm. that the citizens consider themselves saved now. Right. Yeah. Like, maybe, he, maybe he's got a power besides hanging a cane on their arms and holding their hands and either turning them to dust or not. Which he you didn't know? even do for the guy at the end of the right. episode. He right. took the scarab from him and then just decided mm -hmm. to off him. Yeah, which to me says, like, he's definitely not what he's saying he is. Yeah. No witnesses. You know? Right. To me, there's a couple things there. One is, it's funny, we keep pointing out the flaws. I do love this show. I <laughs> wish that I'd gotten this scene before the scene in the Alps. Or at least before oh. Emmett being involved in the scene in the Alps. Because I felt like if I hadn't already seen him in the Alps kill the old lady... Mm who hadn't done anything wrong yet. If I hadn't seen that, I think I would have been somewhat taken in and I would have been somewhat like, wow, he's doing good things. I don't think he's, mm. maybe he's not the villain. Okay. Maybe there's something really interesting here. And then we get to the reveal of, 
oh yeah, by the way, if a kid's gonna grow up to do something terrible, then like off with a kid. Um, and like to me, I I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Did you like? There was some parts of what he was saying where I was like, okay, I can I can see maybe there's a thing here, but I don't I I just don't believe you. Were you kind of having that feeling watching him, or did you got to get a little taken in by by his his approach to things before we get to, uh, you know, killing little Johnny? I feel no. I actually I really like the sequence of scenes. Like if mm-hmm. they just did a little better on these representation fronts, I would just unequivocally love this show. Um, although again, the beginning of this episode, I was like, ah, oh, with the car, and then he's going with them. Like I don't know, right. but I didn't mind knowing that like he's clearly doing some like bad things, mm-hmm. but. I think the idea that I saw was like sort of the idea that this is kind of like this like necessary evil or whatever, right? That it's like, right. um, and I do mostly buy his viewpoint as like, I don't know, a reasonable way of looking at the world. Like mm-hmm. if you absolutely knew for certain what someone was going to do, it makes a lot more sense to stop them from doing it than to try and punish them afterwards. I, I don't really believe in punishment, you know, in the right. idea of retributive justice. This seems like preemptive justice, which also mm-hmm. doesn't seem... I mean, I the, the whole world yeah. justice is... I got I got things. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it makes some sense. It's like, yeah, let's... You know, if Thanos snapped his fingers and the 50% of the people who were most likely to do certain things were the ones who all got dusted, like maybe the world would be great after that. I don't really think that's how humans and society work exactly. I mean, I do think there's an extent to which like a lot of things are ruined by a small number of people taking advantage of um, what a large number of people are willing to put up with or go along with. Um, Though usually that's the people in power, not like, you know... Yeah, it's always a question of the boogeyman. But is it just that the people who are bad are the ones with their hands on the levers of power, or that lots more people would do terrible things? They just don't have their hands on the levers of power, so they're not right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a reasonable question, you know, and right. I, I think it will remain unanswered, you know, because you, I, yeah. I think part of what I was seeing there, and Will, this kind of gets back to maybe this is a possible answer to your question about you know why they're so believing in this, but but let me know what you all think. Definitely. I think there's a tendency that humans often want, like we want clear, bright lines. You know, we talk about this on the ethics show all the time, you know, and one of the things that happens, if I can point to the bad people and say, they're the bad ones. And we've drawn a line around our community that those people are outside. That now tells me that everybody inside is good and right and pure. And I think that might be where some of that saved feeling comes from. And I know like, Hmm. Uh, a lot of like early Christian mm. communities that came here that believed in predestination. This was kind of often part of their belief system was that like God would tell you who are the good people, who are the bad people. And often it was like because he put a mole on their face. So, you know, they're the bad people <laughs> or, you know, they have this color hair or whatever it is or or this color skin yeah. or whatever the horrible thing is. And, and so, yeah. So I wonder if that's part of why the people have this level of assurance is because. And it's giving them this idea of like, no, 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 if you're here, you're good. You pass the test. You're fine. Everyone else around you is fine. So you don't got to worry about anyone else. Yeah, I could see that. The only argument against that is that old lady was a member of that village. 
Or right. I think. But I think like, she hadn't been judged had yet, a right? I think yeah. that's what he was doing. He was like weeding out. Yeah. He had a Maybe. gathering and there was like, who will yeah. be the first to volunteer to get, yeah. you know, yeah. scaled or judged or whatever. Yeah. Um, to go back to your kind of big picture question, I personally am super anti preemptive justice. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is primarily uh, fed by all of the media I have consumed over the years that deal with preemptive justice and never works out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I agree with your stance, Paul, of, uh, you know, justice post or post just, or what the phrase that you used that was super fun. I've never heard before. Um, but I feel like the approach of, I know someone's going to do something bad. And so I will be there when they're about to do it. It's like having proof of intent and then stopping. I feel like that's like the sweet spot of when mm-hmm. you enact your cosmic godly justice. Yeah, It's like you have a gun in your hand. It is loaded. It is pointed at this person. Now I will stop you. Right. And like yeah, but- I would throw in just one other option, which would be to find a way before that point even came up to approach the person and not necessarily just like try and talk them out of it, but try and figure out like, okay, why is this person going to end up doing this thing? Like, are there ways to, you know, change circumstances? So that's not preventative justice versus like actual preemptive punishment. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's so important where the goal, because I think that's part of the problem. Like to me, if you can predict these things, which, I don't think you can. I'm going to get into that in a second. But yeah, how can you – like to me, the, the the issue is now how do I stop the harm they're going to do, not cause more harm in this sort of idea of, well, we now know they're bad so they can suffer. And to me, this is such an important issue and it's like the Joker, Batman sometimes brings this up. But we also see it in our society so often just with a whole like good guy with a gun. You know, the only the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I think that rhetoric is awful because I think generally the only thing that – again, this is the, the Joker idea. The only thing that separates a good guy from a gun with a, versus a bad guy with a gun is that one of them had a really bad day. You know, uh, We've seen so, so many statistics that like a lot of you know domestic violence shootings, for example, are you know the good guy with a gun comes home after he's gotten fired and has a bad day or comes home and finds – his partner in bed with someone else or, you know, the, the person we think is a good person can actually turn out to do something bad under some circumstances. And so, yeah, this whole idea of we can predict it, I guess, especially because here's something I'm not clear on. I wonder if you two know, is it that, uh, what's, what's the name of this God? Conchu. Conchu. Not Conchu. The, the, Amit. Amit. Uh, yeah, it's like Emmett. Okay, Emmett serving Amit. That's a little on the nose, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, that is it that Amit can predict the future, or it's that Amit can look into someone's heart and know that they have like the person they have the intention that they could commit a terrible crime at some point. Because like they're similar, but I feel like it's a little bit different in terms of what's the basis of judgment here. Did, does what do you know which one it is? If fe- okay, so in Egyptian mythology they when you well it's a when you die thing but they weigh your heart 
um, mm-hmm. to determine if, you know if you go to heaven or hell. So I know that conceptually there's a practice of weighing the heart versus weighing the spirit. Um, right. But I feel like it's presented here as a future prediction thing like you only have one path you're ever going to take even though we already know that there's multiple timelines so mm-hmm. um i didn't <laughs> see in a time travel world <laughs> so universal world it's i don't know it's it's presented as a future timeline thing i feel like mm-hmm. um but i think in egyptian lore it would be a heart um yeah capacity thing yeah, that yeah, makes that, sense. That's where I'm not quite clear. Like, I don't know if it's Amit can tell that on June 6th, 2029, you're going to do something bad. Right. Or right. if Amit can tell you're the person who, if you got really bad news and you had a gun, you would do something bad. But yeah, I don't know the exact details yet. I think the story has not made that clear. I don't think it's attempted to make it clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's not even clear that it is actually Amit giving such judgment. Like, that's what... Right. Emmett is claiming, but like, you know, right. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I'm shown real, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, real proof of this God. Like that's, you know, that's as an atheist, I'm just, you know, <laughs> um, also just for representation, I think mole, you know, people with mole representation has also been very bad in fiction throughout history. I just want to kind of yes, throw that, throw that awesome powers his fault. No. <laughs> Well, and, and so, like, you're talking about how we haven't seen uh, Ahmed on screen. We have seen the other god. Yeah. And one thing that I liked is you could tell a fairly basic story of, like, one god good, one god bad, serving one god good, serving one god bad. That other god ain't it. Like, right. I, I'm I, I'm not sort of in love with the god that Mark has been serving. And I think we're, we're certainly supposed to get an idea that that god is also not a bastion of good, just ethical behavior. Is that kind of where you're seeing it as well? It feels to me like it's complicated. Um, I like that it feels like it's two gods who have their own ideas of justice that apparently some of the other gods don't really dig. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like it it it's interesting. You know, and I mean that's the thing about justice that like I don't know. I think justice is kind of in the eye of the beholder. So it's like it if you say a thing is justice and you convince people it is, then it's like. Well, you're probably going to have a lot of power, but like that, I mean, it's, it's kind of just made up, you know, like, you know, to me, to me, like the, on, on the, the subject of like, um, preventing versus, um, punishing or whatever. And I think some people think the idea of punishment is to prevent, like to basically dissuade people from doing something right. that might receive punishment. Other people think it's, it's another Just reason. point out all statistical evidence shows that that's not true. But yes, that is the prevailing belief. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, no, yeah. exactly. Um, but, um, you know, I from coming at it, like from the standpoint of, of veganism, like the idea of like preventing suffering or reducing suffering, um, I think it I feel like that does tie in very well here. And so I think making both characters vegan or one claiming to or whatever, I think it this it all it does play well with like what they're playing with in terms of justice or like making a world that um that has less suffering and less pain and less violence right it's just that the one guy wants to do it through violence and the other 
wants to do it through violence. Yeah. So <laughs> reactive violence versus preventative violence. Exactly. Exactly. Or proactive right. violence, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because all of the lore we've gotten about Khonshu is from his previous, maybe even failed avatar. Like, right. I kind of get with Emmett, I kind of get like a Sinestro vibe. I'm just like I was. Mm. I was part of the Green Lantern Corps. They weren't. Mm-hmm. They didn't. You know, they weren't good enough. And so now I'm with the Yellow Lantern Corps. Like, it kind of right. feels like that. But oh yeah, he, he's only... bitter about his ex. Like that's pretty right. clear. He's like, exactly. I didn't dump them. They dumped me. Uh, the other but, way around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then so for Emmett to tell us that Khonshu has been banished by the other eight gods of the Ennead, uh, right? It makes you like. Is he? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, is he just buttering Steven up to get him on his side? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what I mean is that I think it would have been easy and maybe this wouldn't fit the comic books. That doesn't matter. So so maybe I'm, I'm complimenting the writers of this or I'm complimenting the writers of the original comic books. Don't tell me yet. But like it would be easy for the story to be like, no, no, no. Mark is like just as much of a devotee uh, as Emmett is. And the fact that like Emmett is like, yes, this is the God that knows this is what we have to do. And Mark is like, I just got to pay my goddamn debt and make Mm -hmm. sure that my maybe about to be ex-wife doesn't get wrapped up in this crazy God's plans. Like, that's really fun. I I like seeing that dichotomy. And it, like you said, Paul, it makes it all so much more complicated and and feel interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because it feels like Mark is a hostage of Khonshu. And then like Steven is a hostage Mm -hmm. of Mark. Like... You know, in terms of just like who who has control here, and and right. yeah, I, I'm I don't know, I'm I'm very curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, like I said it last week, but um, there's not a whole lot for me to compare to the comics here. There's there's a lot of original takes and storytelling going on in this in this uh, show. That's awesome. Um, I need to run. Do you two want to keep talking or should I just wrap the whole thing up? All the things I have to say, I can do in literally any episode. So, Okay. I don't have I'll anything else specific to touch on, so I'm happy to wrap oh, now. The freeze frame was really weird, by the way. But, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, there's that one moment of freeze frame. I was also going to say I, I love, but also just on the confidence thing, I love how much Steven changed when he got in the suit. You know, that like – Oh, yeah. It, Granted, it's in part because he like, oh, I can rip the fender off a car. Right, right. Um, but also he was just like, oh, maybe I can, like, maybe I'm not so bad. Like, that was just a fun part of the, like, confidence <laughs> yeah, discussion. So for sure. There's so much more we, can need to, we could say. Unfortunately, I need to run, but we'll keep this conversation going. Um, between the four of us, uh, I think someone's going to be able to come on every week to talk about this show because there's going to be so much to get into. But for now, um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, check out all the stuff that Will and Steve are doing on Hype is My Ethics. Uh, Paul has been putting out some great poker videos. Check that out by looking for Zen Madman on YouTube. Uh, and, of course, all my stuff you can find at theethicalpanda.com. There also you'll find our uh, contact information. Let us know what you think. All I have myself, uh, everybody else involved, thank you all so much, and have a great day. Technically, it's Hype is My Superpower.
If you're interested in our new theme song, like what the heck was that? That is a track from my old band, Villains Lament. The track is called Villains Lament. And the band was named after the track. So I call it preponymously named track, Villains Lament. Uh, it's available probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, all the places that you can find music. So, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> we use Steve's band for our music. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I'm so happy to know that. Yeah. It's really good. That's I awesome. really enjoy the theme song. It it sets the mood really well. 